Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On This Podcast. Once I've got for all these Leafs, I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother, from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And make Locked On Leafs part of your daily listening routine. Uh, and you can subscribe to it wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, special, special show today. And it's uh, almost the, the best time of the year on the hot Hockey schedule. The World Juniors are coming up. We got the pre-show schedule already underway. And coming up on Boxing Day, we will have the show that will finally start. The World Juniors uh, will get underway. And a man who's going to be out there is joining us now. He's on the line. Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, one of the best prospects and junior writers out there. And I'm glad to have him back on the show. Scott, how are you? Well, I appreciate that uh, that intro from you, Al's brother. It's uh, I would I would wholeheartedly agree that this is the best time of the year. This is the the late December into early January is like my favorite two week stretch of the hockey season. So can't wait to get out there. Well, it's just in general, right? Like like so many people get to take well, not you, I guess, but a lot of people get to take time <laughs> off and take in the tournament with family and friends and just really get to enjoy it and watch like hockey's you know, next greatest stars perform and uh, it's, it's really just so, so awesome. And, and we were just, we were just uh, chatting before we got on that, you know, you, you just recently had a little one and you're going to be Mm -hmm. sticking around for the Christmas, but that you got yourself a day on boxing day. Yeah. It's going to be a bit of a doozy. I I really (laughs) wanted to be there for, for my little guys uh, sort of first Christmas, if you will, he's, there'll be seven and a half months uh, by Christmas time. And he's not fully going to understand it, but we're going to do the stocking and give him a couple of gifts and he can gob away on the wrapping paper and have the time of his life. So uh, <laughs> we're really looking forward to that. I normally fly out on Christmas day and, and sort of spend Christmas night uh, in the, the host city, just sort of getting my bearings and getting settled so that, that the first day of games isn't a complete shit show, my, my language here. Uh, but this year it's, it's going to be a whirlwind for me. I've got like a 7 a.m. flight uh, into Edmonton and then I'll, I'll be at the rink probably close to midnight that night. So uh, it's, it's going to be a long one, but it'll be worth it to have the, the first Christmas with the little guy. Absolutely, it certainly is going to be uh, going to be a good one, well worth it, and expected to be quite the quite the tournament too. I mean, especially when you look at some of the the marquee players that are going to be here this year. Let's start with uh, let's start with the Canadians. Obviously, you and I both Canadian, and this is the team that we follow most closely. Although you you follow all of it, but the team that I follow most closely, and this wouldn't be a, a regular conversation about Team Canada if we didn't start things off with talking about the sixteen year old phenom. Connor Bedard, who was able to make the team out of camp. Uh, what can you tell the listeners about this guy and, and what type of role do you expect for him to play for Team Canada as a 16-year-old at the World Juniors this year? Well, the big thing that pops with Bedard is just the way he shoots the puck. There are no prospects, i.e. zero, not a, on this Team Canada who can shoot the puck like him, not Cole Perfetti, not Mason McTavish who can really rip it. 
when he catches that puck into his stance and draws it back and sort of lets it go, it is explosive. And it comes off the big thing with his release and his shot is just how quickly he gets it away. Like there is no pullback. It just sort of drops into his stance and then it's almost off of his stick before he's even in that sort of forward shooting motion, if you will. Like it, it almost feels like it comes off his stick as he's drawing it back, which is just an incredible thing to watch. So that's the big thing. And then the the other thing is obviously the age. So can he, with that shot and with his ability to score goals and to create scoring chances, can he work his way into a top of the lineup uh, roster spot? And will that be at center or will that be on the wing? Because he's technically a natural center, but with Mason McTavish and Shane Wright down the middle as the one, two punch at center for Canada, it's virtually impossible that he's going to get minutes there in the top six. So then you're looking, okay, can he be the right wing? And and that's a possibility. He has started here sort of through the early stages of Canada's camp in Calgary and then into their pre-tournament schedule started as the 13th forward for this team. Uh, and, and, the big part of that is just sort of making him earn it and continue to earn it after an excellent camp in Calgary, if you will. But there is one opening in this roster and it's the second right wing spot outside of the one that they're going to give to Dylan Genther, who is a lock to be a top six right wing on this team. Uh, so can he earn that? And that's going to be a story I think that isn't even solved once our pre-tournament schedule finishes up here in the next few days. Uh, it's, it's going to be an ongoing story through group play. I think he's going to get reps. He's going to get power play time. He's going to get opportunities. And then the decision will have to be made come quarterfinals, whether they feel they can have a 16 year old in high leverage situations playing in their top six. Uh, but either way, it's it, he's going to be one of the stories of the tournament, as is Matt Bamichkov, the, the other contender for first overall in the 2023 draft, who will be absolutely a part of Russia's top six and will have a bigger role to play in this tournament, I think, than Bedard will. Uh, but th- those two guys are going to be, if not the two players to watch, then then pretty darn close. And you talk about the number one picks in the 2023 draft, and it's probably going to be one of those two players. They look like, I mean, the, the term generational talent gets thrown around a little too much these days, but these look like premier, premier prospects. But another premier prospect is Shane Wright who's also going to be with uh, with mm-hmm. Team Canada and and he's expected to be the number one pick in this year's draft uh, how excited are you to, to watch Shane Wright go to this tournament this year I'm really looking forward to it and and especially looking forward to it because there has developed what I would probably label as a bit of a lazy conversation about whether he's the first overall pick in this draft. And this conversation seems to prop up every year. There, there's this manufactured, often artificial debate about one versus two. I think it was true in Matthews versus Line, where it should have been Matthews all year, but there was yeah. this sort of debate and, and and it's great for us who talk about it, but there was this debate that was created with line A uh, and you go down the list, Taylor and Tyler, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's always been a conversation and a talking point. McDavid and I, I really the, think to, to me, McDavid Eichel was the funniest one. You, yeah. Like I would have put a million dollars down on the line that it was going to be <laughs> Connor McDavid over Jack Eichel. Yet they were trying to lead us to believe that, you know, they weren't exactly sure. They're trying to keep it tight to the vest. But like it, it, what we've seen out of Connor McDavid, that's what we expected to see out of McDavid. There was no way that that was ever going to be a conversation. And are you telling me you feel like this is the same discussion being had with Shane Wright right now? 
Yeah, and I think this tournament gets to put it to put it to bed. I mean, even last year with Owen Power ahead of the draft, it, it was created, and I never really subscribed to the notion that Owen Power was anything but the first overall pick. And I think he has proven that with his play at Michigan this year. And I think this tournament's going to be big for Shane Wright in that way, just to sort of put it to rest. There are going to be several top 2022 prospects playing side by side Shane Wright in this tournament. Logan Cooley looks like he might be a second line center for Team USA. Uh, Danila Yurov is going to. Play play a big role for for Russia. Simon Nemitz is going to be a star for the Slovaks. So there are names, you go down the list in this tournament, names of top five, top 10 picks who are so-called in that next tier behind Shane Wright, who are going to be compared and contrasted against him. And I think Shane is set up to succeed with his line mates. He's been playing primarily with Dylan Gunther and Cole Perfetti on Canada's first line. And I, I think he's going to succeed in that role. If he's getting those reps, if he's playing on the top power play, which he also has, he's been pl- kind of playing the bumper role on the power play. I think he's got a chance to put up some points and do some damage in this tournament and have the kind of sort of draft eligible draft year tournament that say someone like Alexi Lafreniere didn't have when Alexi played in the tournament in his draft year and was kind of unspectacular and then had to return after his draft year and, and really sort of star. Um, so that piece of it, all of that I think is coming together really nicely for Shane. And I think he's maybe not going to be Canada's best player, but I think he's going to be a big piece of their puzzle. And and if they are to win a gold medal in this tournament, he's going to get a lot of love for that. And it's probably going to give him some breathing room down the home stretch with Kingston just to say, okay, I'm back to being the guy again. Got beard, get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who's never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils make bombs, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feeling beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make for a great holiday gift and if you're shopping for yourself you'll be glad you did because i know what i'll be getting my dad for christmas this year he's got a beard that goes kind of all wonky all over the place get i'm gonna get him some primal beard oils and make that a nice silky smooth and i know my mom is definitely going to thank me for getting that gift for my dad so maybe you should think about it as well or for your significant other we know that every company claims to have the best but primal origin oils challenge you to compare their ingredients and the feel and beard to the other products you've used we promise you will and will see and feel a difference Remember the code locked on gets you 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. Use the code locked on at checkout for 20% off. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, grab a built bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, fats, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have the raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or the peanut butter brownie? Built bar gives you that extra fuel you'll need to bust down those small doors and battle the holiday shoppers or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines built bar can give you that extra something to keep you going so throw one in your jacket or your purse you never know when you're gonna need it and because it's a season of peace and love do not bring up your favorite built bar flavor at family parties people are so passionate about their favorite flavor they'll literally fight over it things could get out of hand your friends with santa well tell santa to throw a few built bars into those stockings with so many flavors they make anyone's 
Christmas, a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little, and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand, though. And like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on these Built Bar puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors all covered in chocolate. It tastes so good. You won't even believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So who do you expect to be Canada's best player? Like, who's going to be that guy who has a chance to be a folk hero here for Team Canada in the coming weeks? Well, the folk heroes are almost never defensemen, but if there is a guy, uh, I would probably say Owen Power, honestly. Mm. I think Owen Power is going to be the best player in the tournament. I think he's the best prospect currently playing outside the NHL right now. He was so good uh, at the World and, Championships. Like, so oh good. Oh, my God. Oh. I, I drove... I drove down to Michigan uh, three or four weeks ago now to watch the national program play and then to drive from Plymouth to, to Ann Arbor to watch the University of Michigan play. And he was, and I, I don't say this lightly, he was unbelievable, like head and shoulders above everybody else on the ice. Uh, and, and I think he's going to be the same in this tournament. He's just too, too good. And Canada's strength on this team is, is its goaltending and its forwards. It's actually not its defense. And I think that almost plays into Owen's hands because him and Caden Gooley are, are really their two stalwarts on this blue line, which is otherwise pretty thin. And they're going to have to play a lot. I, I think you could see in a gold medal game, see Owen Power play 30 minutes. And that is going to be a huge moment for him. And I think he's going to grab hold of it and really show the hockey world that he's a truly special uh, prospect as a defender, which uh, oftentimes I feel like at this tournament, those guys almost get left by the wayside and it becomes easier for the Cole Perfettis and the Mason McTavishes of the world to, to grab that limelight. But I think Owen's going to get a lot of love this tournament. And I think he's going to be a star. Well, you say it's imp- it's 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 almost impossible, and, and you're right. Obviously, goal scoring is always the most sexy pizzazz. That's the stuff that's going to make the highlight reels. But I remember Thomas Shabbat becoming the folk hero a few years back. It was he versus Charlie McAvoy when it was Canada versus U.S. going for gold, and they both played like. 30-some-odd minutes, and it was insane. And if Owen Power can kind of put together a similar performance, man, he really is going to make a name for himself here in Canada. I agree with you. Yeah, there's no question. And and there's always those moments for these kids. I mean, we we saw Akil Thomas have his golden goal moment, right? Like, there's always yeah. that one defining moment of the World Juniors, especially if you're to win gold. So uh, we'll see whether Canada can do that. I think they're the odds-on favorite to, to take home gold in this tournament, as they usually are. But uh, it's not going to be a walk in the park either. And there are a couple of other contenders at the very least. Last one for you until we kind of break into the rest of the tournament, get to some of the other teams. And then, of course, we're going to talk a little about a bit about some of the Maple Leafs prospects as well that are going to be at the tournament. But one of the really interesting things I find about Team Canada this year um, is that they're not bringing any right shot defensemen. What do you make of that? And uh, do you agree with the decision there? And I think, namely, the big name that's missing is, is Brant Clark. 
Yeah, Brant's omission was really the only omission that surprised me. I went into camp expecting, after Brant wasn't even invited to camp, expecting some other surprising decisions from this Canadian brass, just based off of the way that they talked about Brant and the way that they talked about how they were trying to build this team. I just sort of began thinking to myself, oh boy, I think they might be getting carried away with how they want to do this. Uh, and then actually in Calgary, I was I thought they picked basically every player to be on the team that they should have picked. And I thought they built a pretty darn good team with the players that they had in camp. So the big surprise is still that Brant wasn't even there because, and the handedness is obviously the talking point just because they're bringing eight lefties. But even without the handedness, they... they are having this internal debate about who's going to run the second power play. Owen Power's going to obviously run the first, and then they're, they've are they kind of been having Lucas Cormier and Olin Zellweger rotate on and off the second, but I think that could have been an easier decision had Brant been there. Uh, and I think that this team from the blue line up is going to struggle if they do struggle anywhere in this tournament. I think it's going to be to create offense. Uh, Zellweger's a great player offensively. Cormier's a great player offensively. Obviously, Owen Power's a great player offensively. But they've got also basically four or five guys who are mostly going to be not stay at home types, but they're going to play a little bit more reserved. They're going to play, be a little bit more calculated. They don't have a ton of offense to their game. None of Ronan Seeley, Ryan O'Rourke, Donovan Sabrango. These aren't kids who are going to create a ton offensively. Uh, their job is going to be to lock it down. So I, I think it could, this team could have used a little bit of Brant's flair and I also think he's a much, much better defender than he gets credit for and a great leader. And by all accounts, someone who is very vocal on the bench and whose teammates respect him and who wants to take charge of a room and be a big part of, of a team. So uh, it, it was a little bit of a surprise to me. I've heard rumblings that, that maybe he rubbed some people the wrong way with his personality at, at under 18 worlds. And, that this was kind of them sending a message for next year's tournament. But it, even uh, regardless of that, I, I think on talent, it's pretty clear considering that this, this decor is a little bit more watered down than maybe you'd hope for. Uh, I think on talent, it's pretty clear that he should be there. Yeah, it, it was it was super surprising to me when I saw he wasn't even brought to camp um, at West. That, that just really surprised me. And uh, on my show on Leafs Lunch, we spoke with Craig Button about it. And like he he, it's strange because you would think he was so high on him during the whole draft process, but he's so he's like this is a nineteen year old tournament. It's a nineteen year old tournament, and Brant Clark I don't think is you know there's a reason why he wasn't brought. I just I really don't get it. It just made absolutely no sense to me uh, why he's not there. And then you just explained even more in depth as to why it just doesn't make sense for him to be there. And hopefully Canada doesn't regret that decision. I think we're all hoping that they go out and they can win gold without him. But I just, it's, it's a, it's not very often you see a top 10 pick in the dra- in the draft prior, a big mobile right shot defenseman at that, uh, get omitted from, from, uh, a team like this. Yeah, and, and the thing with Team Canada is they can still go out here and sort of prove their their theory right by winning gold, right? Like it's still right. a team that's capable of winning gold even without one of the top young prospects in the sport on the on the roster. So uh, that part of it is the sticky thing with Canada, where I don't think they are they te- when when they do make decisions like this and and they do hurt them. I don't think it tends to hurt them enough to make them reconsider that their. Th- the sort of thought process or their way of thinking. Um, and that's the tricky thing, right? So unless they 
flail out in the quarterfinals or end up in the bronze medal game, uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be a lesson learned for, for those who are making those decisions. Uh, and, and the argument that they made to me, and I asked them each about this on recent phone calls uh, for some stories that I was working on. I asked both Alan Miller uh, and, and James Boyd, the two sort of managers in charge, I asked them one-on-one, like, look, what, what went into the decision? And they both said that, uh, in in without actually saying it, I think they both said that basically he was. They believed that he was one dimensional and that he wasn't the type of player that they wanted to bring to the tournament, which I would absolutely disagree with. Yeah, and like you said, um, they can justify their actions by going out and winning gold. We'll see uh, what happens. Uh, Coming up on the other side, uh, Scott's going to stick around, and we're going to get to some of the other teams, some of the other players that maybe he'll be interested, uh, or I'll tell you who he is interested in in, in watching and who you should be excited to watch as well, and we'll get into some of the least prospects that are going to be out in Edmonton and Red Deer, and we'll do all that when we return here on the Locked on Lease podcast. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive that deposit from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, welcome back to Locked on Lease. Mike DiStefano, the host of this show. Just a reminder, we are a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. So if you're a diehard Leafs fan, make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and make us part of your daily listening routine. Make it your first listen of the day. Uh, in conversation with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, at Scott C. Wheeler on Twitter. Uh, and Scott will be covering and has been covering the World Junior Championships uh, and will be out in Calgary or in Edmonton and Red Deer, rather, uh, for the World Championships next week. And we just went through and talked about the main storylines when it comes to Team Canada. But obviously, there are plenty other teams and plenty other players that you are excited to watch. So uh, I guess the first question, just kind of an overall general one, which team poses the biggest threat, do you think, to Canada when it comes to the gold medal? Well, I think it's actually the Swedes, which is interesting, right? Because the mm. Swedes haven't won a gold medal in 10 years. The last nine gold medals have all been won by three teams, USA, Canada, and Finland. Have they so, still, are they the, still on that uh, where they haven't lost in a prelim game? In no. Like- the streak the streak has officially been broken, but uh, it's, it's still an ongoing drought for them in terms of gold medals, as it is for the Russians. Uh, but of those two teams, the, the Swedes certainly look like they have the best chance to sort of rewrite history and, and get their first gold medal in a decade. Um, so I, I'm excited for that. They are on paper, I think, the second best team in the tournament. Uh, their first line with William Eklund, Alexander Holtz, and Oscar Olsson uh, is basically going to be, if not the best line in the tournament, then probably pretty close. Those are three of the best forwards in the tournament. And positionally, it, it just works out that they have a natural sort of left wing, center, right wing uh, grouping with those three. So that line is going to be one of the lines to watch in the tournament. And then 
between Simon Edvinson, the Detroit Red Wings top prospect on defense, and Jesper Wallstadt, the Minnesota Wild top prospect in goal, and their depth on defense with Helge Granz, who's playing in the AHL for the Ontario Reign this year, and Emil Andre, a, a very talented offensive defenseman who's a product of the Philadelphia Flyers. It, it's a very, very good group. They also have some really exciting 18-year-olds coming in. Isaac Rosen and Fabian Liesel were both first-round picks out of Sweden last year and are slick, fast, extremely skilled wingers who are going to sort of round out the top six behind those big three that I mentioned. Uh, so the Swedes are the Swedes are a threat for sure. They've got depth at, at all three positions. They've got stars at all three positions. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to watching that team. Uh, and then after that, I, I think you've got the next three kind of in a cluster. USA, Finland, and and the Russians are all going to be good, and they're going to be competitive, but I think they're probably a slight tier below. I would have probably had USA in that same group as Sweden until Thomas Bordalo, who was expected to be their second-line center, was for the second year in a row heartbreakingly not allowed to participate in the tournament due to COVID protocols. Uh, so losing Bordalo is a big group for a forward group on Team USA that is much thinner than the star-studded one they had last year with Segris and Caulfield and all those guys. So uh, they, they, their group is is a little bit watered down, and then suddenly it becomes about Sweden and, and Canada, I think. And uh, you mentioned uh, earlier Matvey Mitchkov, uh, who's going to be playing for for Team Russia, who you expect to have a prominent role there. Uh, you know, how special is this kid? Like, we, we do talk about Karim Bedard quite a bit up here in Canada. I think a lot of people who follow the sport quite closely, especially draft people, um, know the name and they're excited to watch him. But this 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 Mitchkov kid has been putting on a show as well uh, out out in Russia. So just tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what to expect with with this young man. He's unbelievable. He is a phenom. He's that sort of unicorn prospect that you just wait for. And I honestly think he's a better prospect if you, if you're just evaluating the talent and projecting forward in terms of what they're going to look like in their prime of their careers. I think Matt Bamichkov may be a better prospect than Connor Bedard, which says volumes about how how high I am on both of those players. Um, so yeah, I I think he's going to be their best winger. Um, they, they have a roster that obviously made headlines for leaving four pretty prominent North American prospects at home and not bringing any of the top kids who are playing over here. Uh, they're basically bringing a roster that's exclusively kids who are playing in Russia and have been developed in Russia, uh, which I think is a huge mistake and a discredit to some, well, really four kids that they left at home. Um, but with that, it's just more of an opportunity for Matt Bay to be on the top power play, to be on the first line, and to do something special in this tournament and really bring it from this sort of niche future two years away NHL draft prospect who everybody knows about on Twitter to the mainstream audiences of, of TSN in Canada, right? It's it's an opportunity for him to, to really begin to get NHL fans excited about the future of the league and this potential future superstar. So uh, I, he, he's going to be unbelievable for Russia, I think, and he's going to have to be because I don't think they have a great team this year, uh, but he's, he's, he's special. He's, he's one of a kind. That is quite the bombshell 
quite the spicy take about Michikov being uh, the better prospect than Connor Bedard. This is completely off topic, but I know uh, Corey Promen does this, uh, one of your colleagues at The Athletic. And I, I, I'm, Do you do this as well, where you look back and you talk about some of the players who you were right and wrong about, like three or four, yeah. five years past the So who, who to you is the one guy where you were so high on, where now you look back and you're like, yep, I'm an idiot, that guy stinks. Well, I think that one would actually be in the other direction. The kid that I was low on, who now I look back on and say, holy shit, he's a good player. And that is probably Moritz Sider, if I'm oh, being honest. Yes. Um, I had Moritz kind of in the 20s and 30s on my board that, that year. I liked him as a sort of potential second pairing defenseman, two-way type, who could eat minutes and, and play that sort of 200-foot game. I did not think that Moritz Sider was going to be as gifted offensively as he has become and be a power play one quarterback and be the kind of player who goes on to contend for Norris trophies, which I think he's already on the path to doing. So that piece of Moritz Sider's game, the offensive piece of Moritz Sider's game is probably the biggest miss I've ever had. I was not stunned when Detroit took him sixth overall because I had written that year after uh, attending the combine, which actually happened after my final list was released. I'd written that year that I could sort of understand him going in the teens just based off of what I'd learned since my final list was released and that he, it seemed like he was going to go around 10. Uh, but even then I was, I was pretty critical of them taking him sixth overall in what was a pretty decent draft year. Uh, and now today, I mean, he looks like he could be a top three or four player in that oh. draft 20 years from now. So uh, he, he's a, he's an unbelievable player and someone that I was, Big, big, big time wrong on. Yeah, and, and I remember too, like his kind of breakout to the public, I guess, would have been the World Juniors a couple of years ago. Like and, that was and the DEL playoffs that year. And I've I wrote about that in my column this year on players I was wrong about, which is like a list of ten players that I go back and look at what I got wrong and why I got wrong. And I think the big thing with Moritz was I just didn't I was too late to to sort of aggressively change where I was at on him. I'd watched him play a bunch early on in that season and through the middle of that season. And I think I'd come to an idea of what he was in my head. And then his playoffs in the DEL and into the world championships that year, he looked like a completely different player. And I just didn't move him up uh, fast enough or or hard enough, (laughs) if you will. And he's, man, that guy really does seem like he's going to be a a workhorse. He, He should never, ever, like you say, you sat there, you criticized Detroit. Never, ever criticize Jedi Steve Eiserman. That guy, yeah. he, he knows a thing or two about the sport of hockey, I've come to learn.